Hey everyone, welcome back to At The Table. Welcome back to another episode of our Christmas At The Table. Um, we're now on episode two, we're looking at the places of the Christmas story. And um, so with me I've got Joe. Hello there, John. Hiya. Got Beth. Hi. And Lucy. Hiya. Hello, everybody. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. So, like the last episode, we have read Bible stories on our own. A little bit of homework before we've come to the episode. And um, we've come with our thoughts and what we've found as we've been doing our readings. So, Beth, what have you been known? (laughs) That face. That face. Shut down. (laughs) No. She's got her arms crossed as well. It's like proper like... I feel like there's so many places in the Christmas story. But like last um, week in the last episode, I have been focusing on the book of Luke. And one of the places that I'm always really intrigued about is the place of um, Elizabeth and Zachariah's home um, as a place. Mm. I... Sorry, I was just picking up my other Bible. I've got two here. Um, Actually, you've got three. I've got three. (laughs) It's got three Bibles down there. (laughs) Um, But I just... I don't know what really stuck with me. I I just felt really drawn towards this place. It's obviously the start of the chapter of Luke and he clearly feels like this was a place that was the place to be. It was when Mary found out that she was pregnant and and the angel had spoken to her. She went straight there. It was a place that she felt safe and that she felt she could share this story and she could share the news that the angel had given her Mm. and I think that really speaks volumes of that you know this must be a place that was rich with the house of God we know that um, Zachariah was a priest but Mary clearly felt comfortable and knew that she could share this share what the angel had said and she wouldn't be judged that she would be supported and that she would perhaps have some wise counsel and that really stuck out to me that this would be a place that she felt she could start her pregnancy in, that she would be safe, that, that she would be protected because as a virgin and as a young girl, it could have been really dangerous for her if, you know, once she started showing and people knew that she was un- if she was unmarried, she may be shunned. So um, I really feel like God enabled her to have this place to be safe and to start her pregnancy and to ensure that no harm would come to her or um, Jesus. And I love that as the start of Luke as a reminder that there's a shelter and a safe place for all of us and that's really what stuck to me I think I read the same thing Beth I read Luke chapters 1 and 2 thinking it was just going to be the Christmas story but there's this whole um, side narrative about Elizabeth and about Elizabeth and Zachariah as well Mm. which is never mentioned in the like carol service version of Christmas is it no and I was really surprised yeah I I was um, looking more into this whole thing because there's a lot of parallels with Mary Um, I know we're not doing people yet but it kind of counts because we're talking about Elizabeth's house so Elizabeth is the cousin of Mary which is Mm -hmm. funny anyway because Elizabeth we're told is very old and Mary Mm -hmm. is obviously very young so maybe not first cousins but either way they're related and then Gabriel the angel who famously tells Mary that she's going to have an immaculate conception tells Zachariah that his wife very old wife we're told is also going to have this immaculate conception and this is six months before Mary is told mm. so you may think that Gabriel 
first appears to Mary, but he actually first... Well, maybe not even the first time. He appears to Zachariah six months before that. Um, and I can't remember where exactly that is. I know we're talking about places, but I just thought that was interesting too, Beth. Mm. I found the same, mm. the same thing. But then what I also found interesting, so Mary went to Elizabeth's house when she, she found out she was pregnant. Elizabeth also went off for the first five months of her pregnancy to be on her own. And I found, I thought the language was quite interesting. So I read from the message version of Luke and it says it wasn't long before Elizabeth conceived she went off by herself for five months relishing her pregnancy so mm. she's just been told she's going to have her first child when she's been told she was barren her whole life and uh, so yeah so she's gone off by herself for five months <laughs> to enjoy mm. this which uh, mm. I think is I don't know it's, it's kind of a funny thing to do but also maybe, maybe it's just what she needed mm. maybe she'd had enough of Zachariah by that point <laughs> yeah, she's got the hormones. Are like, yeah, I can't stand him at the moment. Well, he's mute, isn't he? Oh, is he? Oh, yes. Yeah, he's for now, mute. Yeah. I honestly never read this bit of the story. How Neither had I. He's mute. They summarise for you. That's so bad. He becomes mute until so he can't speak until he fulfills what Gabriel said. So he could so, speak before. It was only when. So he could speak before, and then when he after the. After Gabriel visited him, he couldn't speak, and because then at the moment he didn't. Sorry, because he didn't believe Gabriel's prediction. Right. Yeah, okay. and then when they were naming John, and they go to the naming place and they were naming him, there all the people were like, "Oh, you're gonna name him Zachariah because obviously that was a tradition." And Elizabeth's yeah. like, "No, his name is to be John because that's what Gabriel told." And everyone's like, "No, no, no!" And they say to Zachariah, "What's going on?" Like, is this true? And Zachariah says, yes, his name is to be John. He writes it on a scroll yeah. tablet. And then, and then from that moment on, he can speak. And then he That's prophesies. Right. And then Zachariah himself prophesies about Jesus' life. So he doesn't speak for the whole pregnancy. Well, yeah. Well, that must be bliss. bliss for her. <laughs> 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 I just never realised that five month as well. Like, that's a long period of time to kind of... And I like how she's sort of said oh this is how God acts to remedy my unfortunate condition like <laughs> in the message <laughs> I like, just the funny work writing of it isn't it but yeah, five yeah, months that. a long time <laughs> my version says it quite nicely that the Lord has done this for me and in my solitude um, I'm seeking favour for he has taken away my disgrace amongst the people and it's almost like she's gone away to give thanks she's gone to to be to just praise God for what she's done what she's be what he's done sorry but that's very similar to what Jesus did a lot would go out into like a wilderness wouldn't he and thank I don't God. think she necessarily goes into the wilderness she but, just goes away but it's kind of separation isn't it it's still that like getting away from what you're comfortable and familiar with so it's there's like echoes of that isn't there mm. yeah what places did you find John or Joe well yeah, so I mentioned this in the last episode, but I'll repeat it again because I think it's quite important that we do mention it, is um, the mention of Bethlehem um, all the way back in the book of Micah. Mm. So that's um, chapter 5 and verse 2. So I read it from the message last time, but I'll read it from the New International Version. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So I just think it's interesting how it's Bethlehem is depicted as this little insignificant place and kind of the last place that you would 
think of as being the birthplace of the son of god i guess that's what i'm reading into that is it been a bit of a surprise that bethlehem could um produce a son like that and i think when i was looking into what bethlehem was like back then it does seem to be a real melting pot of cultures and people and ideas and i guess not somewhere where you would expect someone like that to be from Mm. i think what that shows to me is we often talk about how Jesus was born in lowly surroundings despite being the king of the Jews mm. and it's just this incongruous setting somewhere that you wouldn't expect and I, it just reminds me that God does work in unexpected ways and he uses people and situations and skills and all those kind of things that we often surprisingly failed to give him the credit for and failed Mm. to recognise that he can use people and places and situations in those ways. I feel like Mm. right at the start of Jesus' life there's this reminder that you can never predict God. If you think he's going to zig, he'll probably zag. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, there's incredible um, parallels, doesn't he? He uses kind of like complete opposites to what you expect so like like you say when you've got the king of the world come in you'd expect him to be born to gold to uh, yeah you know, riches and stuff but actually he's born into a, a courtroom slash stable you know and it's like yeah and you know he lives 30 years following his earthly father as a carpenter not sitting on a throne you know so it's like yeah it's such humble beginnings but those parallels are incredible i was just gonna say that when you both of you were speaking, I, I just came to my head about how, um, actually, you know, Bethlehem was the place of his earthly father because he obviously Joseph had to travel there because of the census, and I've never really thought about it like that. You know, when you think about it as a place, he could have been born in any of those. You know, he could have been born in the centre of the hub, the palace of all those places, but he was born in the place of his earthly father. You know, a place that represented people, um, heritage. You know rich in like his Jewish custom his family traditions and I think that really speaks of of the power in this story with that God I think it speaks of um how important you know and how sometimes we I think we we think we have to be from these you know incredible places and that I can't do this because I'm from here but God can use even you know God can use anyone from any place anywhere and circumstance and as fulfilled in the Christmas story, we have Jesus born, you know, born in the place of his earthly father, a man who didn't have to take him on, a man who who could have run, but a man who obeyed God. And because of that, Bethlehem has now forever been on the map. You know, prior to this, would it have been on the map? No. Mm. Would it have been after that? Probably not. But because of Joseph's obedience to staying with Mary, Bethlehem was forever put on this map. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? There's so few places in the Middle East that anybody could name, especially such small places, but we can name so many places that we know of from the Christmas story. Yeah. Everyone could name Bethlehem and Nazareth, but only because of the Christmas story. Mm. It's like Mm. if you ask somebody from Bethlehem about Faversham, they'd have no clue. (laughs) clue. This is a small little town in the UK. Well, they're probably listening to this podcast. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) But that made me wonder, maybe Faversham's a bit like Bethlehem. You know, it's quite a small little 
nondescript town in the UK. It's not massive. It's not had anything very famous come from it. You know, it's not London. It's not Birmingham. Yeah, sorry, Bob Geldof. (laughs) (laughs) It's got beer. Yeah, which one is it? Shep name. It's got shepherd name. So, I mean, it's not bad, but it is quite small. And people might think, oh, I'm just from Faversham. I don't... I can't do this, or I'm... I'm not big enough to do that, or you know, but mm. it doesn't matter where you're from. Mm. Mm. I like that. So that's the parallel that fits in with what I wanted to say, because um, I've been looking at um, the last few weeks anyway. In my own personal reflection, I've been like really mindful of the shepherds. Or usually the 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 characters of the nativity. I could say that I've always just. Because I always was a shepherd at school, and I was always a shepherd on, at Sunday school for nativities, I thought I knew about them. So I just because thought, of your oh, rugged beard, wasn't it? Well, yeah, when you're six and you've got a beard, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, and you've got a low voice, like rusky voice, you know. Um, and you own a flock of sheep. And like wearing tea towels on your head. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think I've never really focused on them because I thought I knew it. But over the last couple of weeks, I've been reading about it. And so when you said about the places, I've been really thinking about where they were and what they were doing. And it's such a parallel, isn't it? Like like what Joe was saying earlier, they could have picked all the kings and queens and royals and, you know, like priests. we said, priests and all those that would have been on the higher standard to meet Jesus when he was born. But instead, they went to these lowly shepherds that were sitting on a really cold probably damp hillside in the middle of the night and it would have been some old bloke with his son you know little boy watching over the sheep like you can imagine it can't you like Mm -hmm. it was just a very ordinary i don't like using ordinary because it make it almost makes them sound like they're just slowly people and i don't mean it like that but it is that kind of they're just an ordinary family (laughs) And they're, they're tasked with being some of the first people to see the saviour of the world. And, um, I, yeah, I just always take myself to that place, like that, that hillside, and imagine being on that dark hillside with just the starlight, and then all of a sudden you've got this, like, <laughs> angel choir in the sky singing at you. It would be a bit, yeah, a bit too much to handle, I think, but, yeah. And I guess it's like, if you were sitting there, you know, you'd probably, you know, you'd be there and you'd, not that you would think that, but it would be like the subconscious, you know, what would a God want with me? You know, like, I'm not anything and all those things that they may have, may have projected onto many things. And then they get to be a part of the greatest story ever told. Like this family who were just doing their job, they were just watching sheep end up, as John said, being the first witnesses of the birth of the saviour of the world like that's just I mean if you want to write a good story like a, a movie plot like that's why I think it mm. apart from the fact that obviously he's the saviour of the world you know when I think about why schools do it and why you know it's been turned into films and things like that it's because it's a great story isn't it mm. you know yeah. these ordinary people see a heavenly host of angels and they get to meet the saviour of the world like that is an incredible act and I I love um, those bible series online and stuff that you can watch and there was a TV show I can't remember what it was on 
It was called Bible, wasn't it? The Bible, yeah. And it was on, I think, I'm going to say... It's on Netflix now. Is it? Mm. I'm sure it was BBC or whatever it was on. And I remember, because I've always wondered what the shepherds were doing before they were almost brought into the Christmas story. Like, was it... Did they just have an argument? Like, like was the young kid mucking around with the sheep and then there's a bit of a family rift and then all of a sudden you've got these angels coming in and saying, come with us, kind of thing. Um, so I always wonder... And, TV's great because it, it gives you that insight because obviously this is written down as an account but it doesn't say, well, little Timmy, the shepherd, was at school during the... You know, do you get what I mean? Like, it's just there's... They just say about the event that's part of the Christmas story but not the bigger picture of who the people were. Um, yeah, and that's I, kind of my the mind point, isn't they're, they're normal places. Yeah, and just ordinary ordinary jobs and normal upbringings and stuff it might not even have been ordinary because I uh, the shepherds really stood out to me when I was thinking about the places of the Christmas story as well so in Luke 2 verses uh, from verse 8 he says there were sheep herders camping in the neighbourhood they had set night watches over their sheep so to me that suggests that they don't always live and work there it says they Mm -hmm. were camping in the neighbourhood so to me, that brought images of like traveller communities that we see nowadays. And mm. in our society, they're massively discriminated against and uh, they're very unfavorably seen when when they move into mm. people's communities, I feel. Mm. So mm. I wonder if actually they were less than ordinary. They were, um, you know, not liked because they were new to the neighborhood. So instead yeah. of the, the local... Bethlehemians <laughs> I don't know what you'd call them Bohemian <laughs> uh, Rhapsody yeah instead of them being allowed to see this new god who's been born in their their town it's the the shepherds who don't even come from that town who don't even live there normally they're just sort of passing through because mm. I guess well I guess as um, shepherds they might graze their sheep in lots of different places and you know move around places I'm not really mm. sure I'm not very clued up on the, <laughs> the life of shepherds but that's what this suggested to me that they were camping in the neighborhood that suggests that they're passing through and they're not they don't belong there as such and mm. i mean definitely in our society there's a very strong feeling of you know my home my place my town and a lot of people don't like outsiders they don't like people coming to their town that they feel they belong in and that they deserve so i wouldn't mm. be surprised if there was a similar kind of feeling then and it was it would have been you know a negative thing that the, the shepherds were chosen for but it's funny isn't it you know every nativity always has the shepherds and we always talk about them yet only one gospel talks about them mm. very briefly Strange. yeah luke doesn't talk about the kings or the wise men no he only talks but, about the shepherds but matthew so does luke thought that they were important mm. but i wonder if that's like thinking about the character of luke you know as a physician he would have been heavily connected with people so to him the shepherds would have been really important because they speak more than the magi i guess you would Mm. expect kings to go to a king but shepherds to a king but one of the things thinking about places so i have this study bible that's i'll share a picture of it on um our at the table page so you guys can all see it i'm referencing um, very tattered. It's got drawings in it. It's got drawings in it. Oh, and, nice. Um, I like drawings. One of the drawings in are <laughs> of um, Samaria and like the area of Palestine under Herod the Great. 
and I've drawn a line from Nazareth to Bethlehem just to kind of give context. I must have done this ages ago because I got this when I was 16. And it's just seeing that scale of walking, like knowing that in terms of places, that was Nazareth to Bethlehem is just such a massive distance. And it was about 60, 68, 70 miles, they reckon. And like that's just a huge, vast landscape to journey to, isn't it? Like, Yeah. It's Especially in those conditions. Yeah. And in her condition. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's so many people that... There's a lot of... Recently, there's been a lot of, um, like, theological and archaeological debate about whether Bethlehem is Bethlehem Judea or Bethlehem in Galilee, because there's a really small town in Bethlehem Galilee, um, which would have, which is only, I think it's like six to eight miles from Nazareth, Nazareth, um, and they wonder if Jesus was actually born there rather than in Judea, Bethlehem. Yeah. But that's very contradictory to all the prophecies and to lots of other things. So um, it's causing a lot of a lot of debate at the moment. But there's a lot of rising talk, and there's some archaeological studies and um, digs and sites that have been unearthed that are causing that are creating documents to kind of raise this into question to become a debate. But regardless, there were too. Yeah, not many people know that there's a. It's a really small town. It's not as big as. It's not as like stamped down as Bethlehem Judea, but mm. um, I mean either way, it's still you know just if you take it as Bethlehem Judea, when we look at that, I just just thinking about the fact that they went there and then they had to eventually go back because we know Jesus obviously was in Galilee for most of his life and ministry, and that's where he grew up. It, um, it's just yeah, I really I'm really struck by the place and the vastness of it, and it's definitely one of my bucket lists to go there. I don't, know, I don't know it is for you, John, but mm. is it something that you guys would like to do? Would you ever like to visit these places? Um, I think from my own experiences of travelling, it's, and I think I've shared this before, it's always amazing how the reality compares to your expectations of it. Yeah. I think for that reason alone, it'd be really interesting to go and explore these places and realise that they are real places and they're not, you know, whatever kind of cartoon version of them we have from our understanding of the bible Mm. um yeah and i think there's such a richness in in this part of the world that it'd be amazing to go and explore it and it'd almost be a a form of pilgrimage and of learning Mm. and time to go deeper on something that we have really a limited understanding of Mm. yeah i mean it's a pilgrim a lot of christians journey there now don't they to Mm. seek insight wisdom anything from god but i was fascinated to think about nazareth now so i did a bit of like googling so it's one of the largest cities in the northern district um of israel it's known as the arab capital but it's now predominantly muslim so it's 69 percent muslim and 30.9 percent christian and then there's a small growing community of judaism around the outskirts but um Considering, you know, Nazareth and Galilee it was where Jesus grew up, where most of his ministry took place, life, death, all of that, that it's now, Christianity is now the minority there. I find that quite interesting mm. um, to think about and how, what it must be like for Christians there. Do they, do they feel, you know, that living there, does, that, does, it, does it help them feel connected to it more? I don't know, it must be pretty powerful to live there. Or do they just think of it normally? Is it just their home? Do they, 
is it would it be more special for us because it's we don't live there if that makes I think, sense yeah. i think a lot of things like that is you can take where you live for granted can't you i think that's a a big thing anyway so i guess if you live in that area well i'm just talking for people i don't know but like you could probably could take it for granted you just well this is where i've been born and raised it's like you yeah. know so when we went we went away to us for didn't we to to Salcombe. it's like you can you know we were all sitting there going wow almost every time there was like a cove or whatever but you yeah. can tell the locals just walking around like yeah <laughs> so this is where we live yeah. so i wonder yeah. if it's that kind like, of or even like how a lot of uh especially americans are like oh the queen you live near the queen yeah like i think it's this cool thing and we're just like yeah and what <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's not a big deal to you, is it? No, no. you become desensitised to it, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a part of it, maybe, but mm. yeah, it's all interesting, isn't it? Cause yeah. it's like... But I definitely, it's definitely yeah, on one of my bucket list places. Well. I'd love to go there. Mm. Maybe at the table on tour. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could record a Galilee special. I start a GoFundMe. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I was just thinking about what you were saying about the journey to Bethlehem, Beth, about how long it would take them. And I just wondered if we could find out roughly how long we thought it might take them to travel that distance. Mm. So I'm on Google Maps as the, uh, Trusty. the only way to discover. Right, I've got I've got two possible journeys, but neither of them are as the crow flies. They're obviously taking major routes it's saying it's 157 kilometers which is about 100 miles and it would take one day and eight hours to walk oh yeah that's right because we said it's a day and eight hours if you were walking solidly without any mm. breaks so 36 hours no. and she's walking. pregnant yeah not on a donkey <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so donkey's probably slower than and this is walking, and this but... is with I know it's walking, but better roads, better kind of facilities, those kind of things. Yeah, they might have gone over mountains and stuff if yeah. they didn't know a better way around. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to think of. Mm. You know, I mean, this was in order to take part in a census, and, you know, I can imagine you might feel pretty annoyed <laughs> at having to do this journey Yeah, when you've probably got a lot of other better things to do let alone being pregnant (laughs) Um, you know imagine having to walk for days on end just to fulfil a government function yeah can you imagine being asked to do that now there'd be absolute anarchy (laughs) Mm. I wonder if they went with people because the scriptures never say that they went with people but surely there would have been other people journeying there like we think of it as just this solitary journey but I'm guessing there would have been other people on the journey with them too, wouldn't there? Well, you'd, there yeah. must have been some sort of migration, wouldn't there, to go and do it? Because you can't tell me that there would have just been that couple. Yeah. That were from, you know. Yeah. So maybe that would have made the journey easier because you could, like, you know, bounce on the roads, you know. I mean, but then that's <laughs> yeah. a very standard nativity scene, isn't it, of just the donkey, Mary and Joseph in yeah. the darkness along a, along a walkway. That's, yeah, like... It probably wasn't that. It probably was kind of like a group of, say, 30 people, mixture of ages, mixture mm. of yeah. wealth and stuff. You can, been, you can see it, can There'd have been people going the other way too, surely, mm. going from Nazareth mm. down to Bethlehem, because that's where they're from. Yeah. So there have been people going all over. So, yeah, we always picture it, just them on this long journey, but, no, everybody's on a journey. Everybody has to go and do this stupid census. <laughs> so everybody's yeah. travelling and... Grumpy. I mean, they're probably not all pregnant, but 
Um, but think about the things she would have seen as well. Like all the, like that image I sent you, 68 miles of places that they walked through and journeyed through. You know, for this, you know, sources like they believe she would have been around 14, 15 years old, Mary. Mm. You know, who's probably just grew up in this small, you know, this town of probably never been any but anywhere f- massively further than outside that town. For her then to journey six, you know, 68, 70 miles. Mm. She would have seen so many things. You know, for us, like when you take a big car journey, like when we drove on on our holiday and we drove past Stonehenge, we were like, wow, and we were looking at all the things. You know, she rode all this way. The things she would have seen. She probably would never have seen You never hear about any of that, you know. I would have had all these questions like, what did you see? Who did you see? All these different Mm. towns and tribes of people that she would have walked through and gone through. And would she have told anyone? What do you mean? Like, oh, I'm pregnant with the son of God. (laughs) Yeah, she had a WhatsApp group. Okay. Mate. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> she had a sign around her neck. Oh, you know, like this little bump on bump on board, <laughs> saviour on board, <laughs> oh, son God. of God on board, on the donkey's bum. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready um, for a life-changing experience? <laughs> and did she even need to go? Because the way that Luke words it is that it's that they're going to Joseph's hometown, not her hometown. They're going to Nazareth, where Joseph is from, and mm. he takes his fiance with him. So it's, it's yeah. Are the women being counted in the census or not? Sure. I'm guessing because she was engaged to be married to him, she didn't count as an individual person. So she just came under him. So I'm guessing yeah. because they only counted families in terms of the male line, she counted under his. So she would just have had to have gone with him and Jesus too. It says in Luke two. In the first few verses, um, everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiance, who was pregnant. So it sounds very much like it's Joseph's mm. hometown and Mary's going along <laughs> mm. for the ride. But- so whether she's counted or not, it's because it's Joseph's hometown, isn't it? But I was just thinking, so what you read, Lucy, about how, you know, he was travelling there, but it wasn't even like he was born there, because I was thinking, you know, how did Joseph, who lived in Bethlehem, then get back to Nazareth? But he didn't, because he was from the line of David. So he was only going there because it was his house line, like his a- oh, yeah, which is his like ancestors. Ancestral home. Yeah, so not so, even where he was born. He'd never even been there, He'd, you know, and he was like, I've got to journey all this way because a few of my ancestors lived here. Like, if I think about... Like, if you think about where all your ancestors are from, imagine if we had to go, like, back five generations and we had to yeah. register where they were from. Like, that makes no sense to me. Like, it's why crazy. Why do you have to register from your ancestors? Why not from where you are now? Mm. And how do you even measure where they're from? Like, what does it count to be from? We've talked about this before. Like, where do you consider your home to be? And mm. it's difficult, isn't it? Because where you're born isn't necessarily where you feel like you're from or where you've grown up. So mm. to be told that you are from this place because it's your ancestral home is just so alien to us now, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And Jesus didn't see himself as, you know, as Jude- as a, a man from Judea. He always, they always said, you know, the man from Galilee, they mm. always referred to him as a Galilean. So even though he was born in Bethlehem, he never connected himself as... Bethlehem <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't know um, yeah so much to think about and so little time yeah. thanks for that Beth 
Oh, gosh. <laughs> this is becoming a boring running yeah, joke. Yeah, it's going to be on forever. Oh, I, I love think. it. Never gets old. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much we can get from the places, though. I think it's, uh, it's something that's always the kind of silent character in the nativity, I think. The places of, of the nativity and Christmas. Um, we hope that you've got something from this episode. It, it definitely is something that certainly last year and this year I've I've personally got so much from it so I hope that you as a listener have got something from it as well um, next time we will be looking at the the next P uh, which is people, people. so uh, be sure to come along on Spotify or wherever you're listening right now and um, tune in for that one but uh, it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from Lucy bye it's goodbye from Beth bye and it's goodbye from Joseph. It's been so good to talk. Goodbye. Oh, goodbye. <laughs>